You're listening to the Leadership Jam Session Podcast, the place where you'll get to hear leaders at all levels of management share their practical solutions to the management challenge you face every day. So let's give it a jam. I'm your host, Rob Fonte. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. Today's guest is Mike Kosikis, who is a director for commercial talent and development with a medical device company. Mike has over 15 years of healthcare experience with over five years of management experience. Mike, welcome to the Jam Session. Hey, Rob. Good to talk to you. Are you ready to jam? Let's do it. Now, Mike, you brought me in a few months ago into your organization to do some work with your emerging leaders. And we were having a discussion one morning over breakfast before the session about your leadership approach. And I vividly remember how, well, how you were eating some fruit and oatmeal as I was scoffing down an omelet with some sausage and bacon. But, <laughs> but more importantly, you started sharing with me a little bit about your leadership journey and the important things to keep in mind in how you approach leading your teams. And I thought it'd be great for you to come on a jam session and share with my listeners some of your guiding leadership principles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I do remember you uh, eating those, uh, those eggs that morning. Scoffing is definitely the right word. Uh, Thank you for remembering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's a great question, uh, and I've been asked this before, and I really had to um, kind of coalesce that and bring that in. And for me, it always goes back to just really three things, three driving principles. Uh, if you have a team and as you work with them, you're trying to find out if uh, something's become disconnected or if you find some there's disharmony uh, either amongst your team or between the interplay between you and one of the folks on your team. And oftentimes, in my experience, it's come back to a quality of life issue, a compensation issue, or development issue. And usually, if you can address one of those three issues, or sometimes all of those three issues, you can get the the harmony back on your team. Yeah, and let's tackle the first one, quality of life, which uh, you bring up a great point. And this was a recent discussion on one of my previous episodes uh, with a guest, Randy Broad, in fact, and we were talking about work-life balance. And it's a little bit different in terms of, of what you're talking about. I think there is a distinction between the two. And I'm not sure how many leaders out there truly understand the impact that we as leaders make on the quality of life for our employees. From a quality of life standpoint, um, I, mean, I always look at this and say, when you're talking with your folks, have you, have you properly uh, prepared them for the tasks that you're asking them to, to take part in? And sometimes that quality of life effect, you can you can see it from that side of it, which is uh, you've assigned them a new task. And maybe you said, like, I think this person's ready for it. I'm going to uh, push this off to them and, and have, them do, have them do it. But when they uh, start to work on it, they realize that they don't have the skills necessary to complete the task. The issues then happen when um, they either try to upskill themselves to get to where they need to be, which adversely affects the other projects or other work that they have going on. Or they take it home with them at night, both the frustration and they take the, the project home with them at night. And now you start to see, again, a, a ladder effect where they're bringing that home because they're trying to get up to speed and work on it. And, and if the communication isn't clear and open, then perhaps they're not telling you. And before you know it, you start to see some of that disharmony we talked about. And it isn't until us as leaders really dig in with our folks to find out, oh, you, you don't have the certain skills that you may need to do this job and uh, let's find out how we get you to that, or maybe this isn't the right project for you at this time, and uh, let's find something else that can more uh, can better use your skills. That one example is a great example of how our employees, depending on our interactions with them, how it does impact their quality of life and 
how we as employees take some of that with us home in our personal lives, and it does impact the quality of life on the home front. Absolutely. So is there anything else that you do or any other tips, best practices around quality of life that you can share that you try to keep in mind from your day-to-day activities? I think uh, frequent check-ins with your team are extremely important, and they don't have to be formalized uh, annual performance review check-ins, but they can just be your daily check-ins to, to find out both how they're doing today, um, whether it be you know personal or professional, and then uh, project check-ins. And things that we've uh, implemented on uh, my team now are in these Monday morning meetings where everybody reads out on their current projects and what they're doing. And it gives you an idea of where they are from a pacing standpoint, and if there are anything, if there's anything that is impeding their progress. And if you can set those regular check-ins up where everybody's in the room and they understand uh, what the goal is, and then the steps that lead up to uh, achieving that goal, oftentimes you'll find some of these quality of life issues that are maybe very, very uh, young at that point before they get to be bigger, broader problems. And uh, so I guess the, the biggest takeaway is communication. And the examples you just provided uh, reminds me a lot about situational leadership, which is the, the, the foundation of what, what we're talking about. I'm, I'm a huge fan, love teaching it. I know you're a big fan of it too. You teach it. And the communication is a big aspect of it because let's face it, when employees are floundering they, and they're not sure how to move forward in something, it affects their, they become frustrated, they get overwhelmed, it impacts their overall motivation, and that does impact the quality of life, both professionally and personally. And, you know, w- one of the challenges with, with what we're talking about, with the frequent check-ins, and, and even if we're doing all the right steps, they may not want to admit to the managers that they're not sure on how to do something. So communication is, is always going to be key here, and if you set up clear channels of communication where your team feels like they can come to you and, and admit and uh, admit things or at least talk about the, do it in the guise of the, of the project, which is here are the things that are needed and here's where I think I can add value to it. If you set up a, if you haven't set up a situation where people are comfortable failing but failing fast and then moving on, it's going to be very difficult. And uh, something that we, we talk quite a bit about is, um, uh, you know, we'll set up a project and we'll have these great ideas and these big ideas, but then ultimately uh, we'll have somebody else come in who sees it with different eyes and they say, you don't need all this other, you can do it with just these three pieces. You don't need these 10 pieces that you've already built out. And then we go down and go like, you know, they're right. These three pieces are the best parts of this. And if we implement these three, uh, it's going to have more impact. So uh, we have to be willing to, um, in some cases, color baby ugly because there's a lot of work that went into building the other seven pieces there. But if the three are the core and the key, um, you know, you have to be uh, willing to tell each other, I don't think that's going to fly and, and here's why. And that only comes from creating an environment where people are comfortable challenging each other. And uh, that only comes from, uh, I think, just you know, to be a, a leader who's that, that servant leadership model to me is, is where that comes from. Is I'm here to make sure that we as a team succeed. Not uh, that, you know, I'm in it for any sort of personal gain um, or, or anything else that any other motivator that isn't uh, the team winning together. Yeah, I think that's a great point, what you just said, and particularly around the um, creating the environment where people know that you're going to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes, and it's not going to be punitive. We're going to move on and, and, and move forward. So let's talk about the second guiding principle. I believe it was compensation. 
from a compensation standpoint, that can be a tricky area because you have people who are making certain amounts uh, on, on a team, and then oftentimes there are, are differing amounts. And so if those things are shared amongst them, then you will start to see you know, somebody has X, why don't I have X? Uh, there's some of that there. Assuming that um, maybe that isn't part of it, as you look at the compensation piece, you know, for me, I always look at it and, and ask myself, have, have my team's team members' skills outpaced their compensation or are they over, have they overdeveloped their skill set relative to the market? And if they have, then how do I address that? Um, you know, some of this happens when you're, even when in a sales role, when somebody is uh, coming in as a, a more junior level salesperson and they're looking to take on a more senior level role or a role where they're taking on the territory, how do you know when that person is ready? And from a compensation standpoint, you know, you hope that if you have a sales team, that sales team is, is motivated by a number of things, but uh, ultimately um, you know, they're, they're money motivated. And if they're money motivated, uh, they may feel like they're ready before they're ready. And if that's the case, then you need to have that conversation. Once again, setting clear expectations of what good looks like and what success looks like in the role. And once they know what success is like, and they know what good looks like in the role, then you can have a, an objective conversation. Um, so that's where that compensation piece comes in, especially if they see, the the other representatives that are out there who have their own territory doing very well they'll want to be there but if you haven't had that very clear uh, expectation setting conversation with them up front then you know you'll get some bad blood in the territory you'll get uh, you know, issues with uh, credit and things like this and you want to make sure that those are um, put to bed fairly quickly uh, and I think you do that by like I say setting uh, expectations up front and then having frequent conversations that mark that de- that development over time. Yeah, and, and for my listeners, uh, just to clarify, it sounds like that, you know, in, in, in your industry, there are different levels of, of sales that people can move up in, uh, and it sounds like that that's part of that progression that's tied into the compensation. Is, is that fair? It is, yeah. Uh, starting off more of a, a journeyman role where you're, you're, you're learning the role and getting your legs under you, and then from there you, you, you move up uh, to where you ultimately take on the responsibility. Yeah, which is similar to many other you know industries when you have these career ladders, and even within role, you can move up uh, to a different um, uh, senior level, uh, which is usually tied into compensation. And and it sounds like to me what you're doing is making sure that expectations are set, and that you're approaching it very objectively to make sure that your employees realize that. You're approaching each person fairly when it comes to compensation. Is that is that accurate? I would, yeah, that is accurate. Yes. Like I say, and let's be honest, right? Uh, employees never talk behind the scenes and share their compensations with each other, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that's that's always a challenge. Um, but hopefully, you're able to, uh, you know, have a um, hopefully that's relatively level set. And uh, as much as you can be uh, transparent, you are you are able to be. All right. Have you ever had a scenario where an employee came to you and says, "Well, why is this person making more than me?" <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I've had that situation. Um, and those are those can be difficult conversations, especially for a, a new leader who's uh, coming into the role, because right? you you may not have the toolkit yet to answer that question. As you look at compensation, and you have um, you know somebody on the team who has found out what others have or making currently on the team, whether that's a base salary. Well, most likely it'll be a base salary if you're a um, 
uh, a field sales employee, or even if you have an internal role, they could be that as well. But uh, it, it's really focusing on the the person who's bringing that to you. And, and, you know, you can, the extraneous factors of what others are doing, what others are making really should matter relative to what are your goals? Where do you want to be? And, you know, if you feel like you aren't being properly compensated or you think somebody else is, is, is making more, well, we have a path for you and let's move you forward as opposed to trying to, to get that level set. And usually those two, um, usually when they're looking at somebody else, there is a reason for that. There's a, they came in with a different level of skill. They came in with something else that um, allowed them to come in at a higher level. And, uh, but I would always caution going to that comparative piece because you can get into a, uh, a back and forth discussion and really it should be a fairly unilateral discussion about that person, their goals, where they want to be. And uh, if they're looking to move up in compensation, how do you get them to a place where they're, um, they're where they think they need to be. And also it's probably a, a decent time there too, to find out from, you know, your internal HR organization, um, are you, are you pacing with the market? Are you where you need to be? And it's uh, it maybe a good check-in for you to check that out and look and say, you know what, we've actually validated this and um, you know, you were correct. Uh, we weren't where we needed to be, or yes, we are exactly where we need to be relative to the market. And uh, you know, I have objective data to look at to, to share with you as well. Well, I think, I think there's, Two, two great points there. Um, the first is, you're right, you, you never want to get baited into the let's compare because nothing good ever comes out of that. And keep it Just keep it very specific to the employee. And the second thing is, it's interesting, you just reminded me of a scenario that I went through uh, years ago with one of the teams I took over where I had an employee who came to me and said she was grossly uh, underpaid. And I act, it was the first time I ever... Uh, came across that scenario where I did exactly what what you just said. I I researched it, went to uh, my boss, went to HR, and came back and said, you know what, you're right, she's way below the market, and they did an equity adjustment for her. I think that's a great uh, scenario for our listeners out there that, you know what, there may be scenarios like that, and, and you do need to take the time to invest and research it. Sure. Well, I think you owe that to them to make sure that you haven't missed something. And so that compensation piece, as we talk about it, is a kind of a guiding principle for, um, for, for your team. If you can, if you can make sure that they have objective data and that they feel like they're being properly compensated, which ultimately, I mean, is, is one of the big ways we, we tell our teams that we appreciate the skills they're bringing and the work that they bring to the, to the organization. Uh, even if it's um, a, a small amount, that small amount might seem like an affront. So objective data mm-hmm. and uh, clear conversations and then talking about how they move forward uh, from that point are, are great ways to handle that. Yeah, and let's face it, compensation is tied into uh, either building better trust or losing trust with your people. And going back to that one scenario, uh, again, I just took over the team and I developed a tremendous amount of, of trust with my employee. She even came to me and said, I was not expecting that I would get an equity increase. The fact that you even went and researched it, I just appreciated that by itself. So I think you bring a great point in how compensation is a critical piece in how you approach your people. And then the third is development. So perhaps you can share with our listeners on how you approach that with your people. Absolutely. And this, this one's close to my heart. Um, so as I 
speak with my team, I asked, I said, you know, here's where we are today. And, and where do you see yourself in six months, one year, three years, five years? And you know, the further away we get from today, the tougher it is to know what things are going to excite you, where your passions may lie down the road. But at least like uh, folks to sit down and say, like, well, what, what would success look like for you in the future? And, and ultimately, the toughest part of that development piece is, is trying to find where opportunity meets desire. And in a perfect world, they have uh, said that they wanted to do job X and uh, job X comes available right at the time where their skill set matches what the needs are for job X. And uh, you know, somebody once shared with me that as you go into that new role, you should be almost ready for it. You just 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 a step away from uh, being ready for that role. And it gives you a little bit of a stretch to go into it. And uh, I think I agree with that, too, to have somebody who's right about there, almost there or, or right at the cusp and then goes into that role. Because then when they get into it, they, they stretch and develop into it versus the other side, which is they've blown past the uh, skills necessary for the job. And now they're waiting for that job to become available. And so if, if I had the choice between putting somebody in who was <clears throat> almost ready for the position and having them you know, learn quickly in the job and have good mentorship or have somebody who is fully ready and maybe six months past or nine months past that point, I think I'd go the first way, uh, in, in, at least in my experience. I think that's great perspective. I think there are some leaders who sit there and will hold people back because they're, they can't do the job move, you know, on day one versus your approach in terms of, you know, they should be able to move into the role with, with some runway ahead of them to grow into it. So question for you, Mike, have you had a scenario where you had an employee that, that they themselves felt they were ready for a role or wanted to go towards a certain career path and you knew that was not either they weren't ready or was not the right career path. I have had that experience and I had it early on in my, my career uh, where, where somebody had told me that they were ready to, to move to the next level. And it, it required a, a conversation of asking them what they thought that next role required. What are the skills necessary to be successful in that next role? And then outlining that. And then as we went through and outlined what those skills would be, for that role, then asking them where they fell in those or where did they, where, did they think they've, they've met the need for that? Or are there other things that they could do to um, full, further develop those skills? Uh, the second part of that conversation was also, if you uh, were to go into that role today, have you fully prepared yourself for a successful, uh, have you fully prepared yourself for success in that role? Meaning if you go into it, you're going to get that one shot to get in there and, and, and make that great first impression organizationally, would you rather be more prepared for that or less prepared? And uh, that conversation was certainly helpful and it allowed that person to kind of redouble back on, on some of the things that they, they didn't know, but it also allowed for a really uh, a great developmental conversation. And, you know, we sat down and talked about, well, here are the things that are necessary from a business acumen standpoint, from a sales skill standpoint, from, managing a uh, time management standpoint and managing multiple things at once uh, inside the territory. And uh, that deeper conversation ultimately led us to get to a place where they could uh, take that skill set and then apply it later. And they were eventually able to move into that role and, and were successful in it. So in that particular case, uh, eventually you were able to 
uh, help the individual move forward in that direction. And, but it sounds like it, it, you had to invest a lot of time into that. That's correct. Yeah. And, uh, you have to be prepared to, there are just a series of conversations in which you uh, level set and uh, baseline everything. And then from there, you see where you've moved from baseline. And uh, so you can come back to it and say, well, you know, we started here. Do you feel like you're more, uh, do you feel like you're better prepared to do these things now than you were before? And then working with that per, that uh, senior sales rep that's working with them to start to introduce them to more uh, new and more concepts that they'll uh, need in the field as they go forward. So that's the other part of it too, is how do they get the necessary mentorship uh, and development from uh, others in the organization so that they're able to move forward. And uh, we do some of that from a, a training standpoint where they, where they get some initial exposure to it. And then over time, as they move forward, they are getting more of that practical in the field experience, which ultimately translates into success for them in the long term. Yeah. So as, as, as leaders, uh, it's, it sounds, it sounds like what you're doing is, is a couple things. It's level setting and providing the path forward and, and at least providing the right resources that will help them develop towards that path. So when we, when we sit back and look at all of these three guiding principles, the quality of life, the compensation, as well as development, all three, at least from what I'm hearing, there's an underlying theme there that ties into the employee engagement level as well, which is a critical piece to all of this. And all three guiding principles, you're really trying to make sure you're managing that to some extent. I mean, I think there, there are those things that we talked about earlier as far as communication and, and knowing where, um, you know, where your folks are uh, on a, you know, as frequently a basis as you're uh, able to uh, meet with them and have these discussions. <clears throat> uh, sometimes these, these discussions are, you know, you're um, talking about something else and it comes up on the back end. And then for me, it's always a, a check-in saying like, you know, so you know, how's, how's your work level? How, how are things? Know, and I, I ask this on my team quite a bit because I want to make sure that I haven't given them more than they're uh, able to handle. And uh, <laughs> there are times where they'll read back and say, you know what, uh, you've given me these projects. Also, these things have uh, dropped into my bucket from uh, another ask from the organization that, that I need to take care of. It's, it's part of my job that I need to follow up on. And uh, I wasn't aware that these were being put into their, um, into their bucket as well. And so then it's uh, a prioritizing a path. So this, let's put this first. Let's put this second. I'll reach out to that, that other leader and let them know that you're currently on another project. So currently you won't be able to do this or we need to find another way to make that happen. Ultimately, we're all pulling in the same direction and uh, we want the same goals. But um, the prioritization of uh, scarce resources, whether that be time, talent or otherwise, are, uh, are I mean, that, that part of it to me is, is, is key to the entire job as a leader. Uh, if, uh, with enough, as I'm always told, uh, with enough time and money, you can do anything, but, uh, <laughs> if you don't have uh, enough of either, then how do you prioritize? Yeah. Well, I think you brought up an, another great uh, point here uh, the common theme of time and as leaders, let's be honest, it, there's a huge investment that we have to make in time, uh, with each of our employees to do exactly what you just said and, and all three pieces, all three guiding principles take time 
but the investment, the return on the investment can be huge if you really do take the time and, and, and invest your time wisely. All right. We are almost out of time, so I have just a, a few more questions for you. I know that you uh, love to read books, leadership books, so if you can share one, uh, if you can recommend one leadership book to our listeners, what would that be? Uh, it's a tough choice. Yeah, maybe I'll force it a different way, only because I uh, want to be difficult, but um, I'd say maybe there's a way to do it from a, a staging standpoint. If somebody's new and coming into leadership, um, the one book I always give is on leadership by John Wooden and he's the, the former UCLA coach and he gives a very brass tacks kind of Midwestern here's uh, here's what leadership looks like as uh, as he led his basketball teams but as with so much leadership uh, it translates across uh, both business uh, basketball or anyone leading uh, a team uh, and then if I was to go further than that actually a book that you recently turned me on to it's your ship by Michael Abershoff uh, another one where it just gives you very, um, very clear and direct ways to create engagement on your team and uh, empower your team. So a great book there. And then for somebody who's looking for a, uh, a heavier read, and this may be a better uh, audio book, um, is Principles by Ray Dalio. And uh, that one is really good. And it's the great information per page uh, ratio there. Is, is off the charts. It's really good information, both from a leadership standpoint, a life standpoint. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good read. So you asked for one, those are my three. <laughs> Very good. Well, I appreciate you segmenting them out too, uh, which, is, which is great. And we'll have that on the show notes for my listeners. All right, Mike, so last question for you. Looking back on your first team, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? <laughs> uh, well, do we have another uh, five or six hours here? Um, <laughs> That's a long list. <laughs> um, I, I guess the one thing that really stands out to me is um, my way isn't the only way. And, and I'll, I guess, dig in a little bit more, but my way to being successful isn't the only way to being successful. Uh, it comes from a story of when I, when I took over uh, a team, I, I'd come from the Midwest and I moved out to the Southwest. And my team in the Midwest was um, a, a newer team. Some of them were newer. So me coming in, I was able to give them some of the basic blocking and tackling. Here are things that you might want to try. Here are things that I've done that been successful. And then they took those and they implemented those, which uh, was great to see. Me coming out to Southern California from, from Iowa, that first bit was uh, more challenging because they looked and said, they've got this, this Iowa guy coming out to Southern California, Las Vegas, and uh, <clears throat> what can this guy possibly to know and share with us? But secondly, I had learned pretty early on that uh, they don't, they're not going to care about how much you know until they first know how much you care. How long did that uh, take you to realize? Yeah, it is probably the first uh, six months of, of me trying to tell folks, here's what, uh, here's what I think we should do, as opposed to flipping it around and saying, what do you think we should do? And please use me as a sounding board for, uh, for things that you're working on in your business, for deals that you're working on and, and trying to move those forward. And, uh, and then being able to read back and say, so what it sounds like you're saying is that this would be the best way because of this. Something that I've seen others do in the past has been missed that you may consider. Does that have any value or, or merit for what you're trying to accomplish? And then we would have more of that conversation around that. But I think it put them in a psychologically safe place where they, um, we weren't competing on ideas as much as we were discussing 
the best way to get to an end goal. And we were throwing things at the wall to see which would stick. So was there anything that you said it took six months, anything that you can think of that actually triggered you to take a different approach? Yeah, I'd say the, the conversation changed. And the conversation in the beginning was transactional. Such and such a account is going to do X amount of uh, order X amount of product. And it was, it was just maybe that back and forth. And uh, I, I need you to talk to corporate because I need these things. Very transactional. I think where that transformation started to happen down the road was uh, I'm, I'm running into this problem. It, it's, and I keep seeing it again and again. I'm thinking it's because of this. Any thoughts? And when, uh, when I was essentially brought in more as a collaborator with them, as opposed to somebody who could just get things for them that needed to be gotten or things, you know, you can be my corporate interface. We're not getting nearly enough of X, Y, and Z. And we need as, we need this as, as quickly as possible. Once they realize that I'm willing to go to bat and do whatever it takes to get there. And they realize that when they call, I'm not going to always be in problem solving mode. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes I'm in listening mode. And they're calling in and going, I can't believe I had this experience. And I had to realize early on, every call isn't a request to solve a problem. Oftentimes the call is a, um, I just, I just need to vent. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just need to say these words out loud. And nobody knows my business as well as you know my business, Mike, because you and I are, are joined at the hip at making sure that we are successful. So, so I guess that would be the change is when I started to, to look at that and say, you know, what do you need from me? And different people needed different things from me during that time. Yeah, so if you go back it's, and, and you look at your guiding principles, uh, it's clear to see how your guiding principles now uh, probably – were a result of of that experience and changing your ways and evolving as a manager and as a leader. Now being more collaborative, investing that time to really have those conversations to truly understand what your employees need. I think that's a fair point. Uh, it, you drive back to that quality of life piece, and uh, you know if they're calling in and they're frustrated because they're running into the same roadblocks again and again, I can almost guarantee you that that goes back uh, home, especially at the end of a quarter or, you know, when, when times are tough from a business standpoint, they're reading that out back home. And I can just tell you from personal experience, my wife always knew uh, when the end of the quarter was, I didn't have to tell her. She could just tell, you know, based on uh, the way I, uh, I was acting and, and what I was doing and, and my level of engagement, she always knew. And, um, uh, you know, she's a, she's a saint. She, she put up with me. So I, I'm very fortunate there, but um, the, we are realizing that the job itself is quite, uh, it's quite difficult. And uh, there are many moving parts and looking at it and saying, how many things, where can I knock down barriers so that you can run faster? And if I can knock down barriers so you can run faster, you'll ultimately get to your number quicker. You'll, uh, you'll have more success. The quality of life will be better. And then your wife won't be looking at you going, it's end of the quarter, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, as you get to that point. Uh, in the in the quarter and throughout the year, I do think as as new leaders, we just put that pressure on us, right? To uh, we want to make an impact, we want to walk in and uh, bring value, and sometimes that works to our disadvantage. Uh, that, that is like so very true. I, I I would see a time and again where I I would come in and I didn't 
I didn't feel like I was adding anything because I came from the, the idea that I was a rep a year ago. I was a rep nine months ago in the field. So there's an interesting timeline there where you're hyper relative because you just were doing the job, but you don't yet have the leadership skills yet to translate that to, uh, to helping your teams. Mike, I appreciate you coming on the Jam Session on behalf of my listeners. We are out of time, and I want to thank you for coming in and sharing your three guiding principles that I have no doubt my listeners will walk away being able to utilize moving forward. Thanks again. Thanks so much for listening in today. If you're enjoying the podcast, then click the subscribe button, leave a review, and I'll talk to you soon on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast.